uh, and hand them out to people if you w- would like to use that tool as an invite to someone else who needs to hear me say really loud, heaven, yes, hell no. <laughs> Praise God. Everybody good? All right, if you have your Bible with you today or your Bible apps on your phone, go ahead and turn with me and go to the book of John chapter 4, John the fourth chapter. Uh, Today I want to give you what I believe is the last part of the series I've been teaching over the last two months called We Bow Down. We Bow Down. What's with the title Bow? Well, that has to do with, with worship. It has to do with humility, submitting to God. But worship really, true worship really does, does contain all those elements, right? And, and, and so we want to go a little bit further and tie some things up and, and, and give some, some more revelation along these lines. Uh, Jesus said over here in John chapter 4 and verse 23, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Praise God. Anybody tired of those verses yet? All right. Uh, One thing I haven't done through this series, just haven't had time with only eight parts, uh, is read the previous verses that lead up to Jesus' response, and I'm not going to do that today, I'm just going to read one. Uh, But the way this came about was Jesus was having a discussion um, at a well with a woman, this this, uh, Samaritan woman, and after he began reading her mail, telling her about her different marriages and the dude she was shacked up with, and, and once she realized, oh, this guy knows some things, she brought up her theology because the Samaritans had some different ideas about worship than the Jews did. And uh, when she brought that up, Jesus started explaining not only previously about living water and all that, but then about worship, those verses we read. What uh, What she said in verse 20 is, Our fathers worshiped on this mountain And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. All right. And so Jesus answered that misconception, that wrong idea, or really a new directive going forward for the new covenant. He said true worship is not going to be about being on a mountain or being in this city over here. It's not about the location. It's about how you worship Him. It's about how you approach Him. It is about spirit and truth, not about a building, not about a city, not about a mountain, right? And and then this message still... Um, needs to be firm in our hearts today, we must still resonate with this truth that we can worship God anywhere. Right? Uh, I mean, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, and, and he said, men ought to pray everywhere, lifting hands and without wrath and doubting, so forth. Uh, where should they pray? Where should we people pray? Everywhere. I mean, in the... When Jesus gave the Great Commission, told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel, 
uh, after that it says, and they went out everywhere. The Lord working with them, working with and confirming the word with signs following. Where did they go? To church. To a building. No, they went everywhere. In other words, the gospel works wherever you are. That same principle is true with worship. You can and ought to worship God everywhere. That doesn't remove the, the great emphasis and need of, of being in church. But, but, but we should recognize that buildings are just tools. This building, we're thankful for it. We're blessed. Thank you, Lord, for air conditioning. Thank you for lights and sound and rooms and, and, and all this stuff. We need them. You have to have them. And, and we're thankful for it. But at the end of the day, it's just a building. right? It's not going to heaven. <laughs> I'm leaving. It's staying. Yeah, I think there can be, even in our day, too much emphasis sometimes on buildings. And again, we need them. We're getting, we might as well have a nice one, nice as we can, right? But the building is just a container. You know, I know, I know there are people, well, there's a religion in our area that puts a whole lot of emphasis on their buildings. The people put up pictures in their houses of their big buildings. And I don't want us to fall for that, for that craziness. I don't want us to fall into the trap of making physical structures too important. Jesus said you worship in spirit and in truth. Can there ever be any significance to a, a building or a structure or a room? I think there can be in our hearts to the degree that we dedicate things to Him. I think if you, if you buy a house or build a house and you it's your heart to say, Lord, I'm dedicating this house where you're going to be glorified with everything that happens in here. I think that can be significant. It doesn't mean the house is holy, but it is holy in regards to you saying it belongs to the Lord. Same way with a building like this. Yeah? And uh, I know many times I've gone into our, you know, our, we have prayer teams that pray for you before the services and pray for me before these services. And I've popped into these. I do regularly and, and, and pray with them for a little bit on, on Sundays. And I've come into the, the room many times. And I walk in and think, kaboom. There is a tangible presence of God because what the people are doing in that room. Is the room holy? Well, they just made it holy. <laughs> For time, the time being, anyway. There's a tangible presence. So I understand that element of facilities and buildings and locations. But ultimately, we should remember that we worship in spirit and truth. And it's not about that mountain or that city or that building. It's about this relationship with God that we have. Yeah? Again, you can go extreme with this. You know, I have a cousin who hardly ever goes to church. And, uh, and his mom always, of course, tries to get him to go to church. That's what moms do. They do everything in their power to get their kids in church, right? <laughs> and, uh, and my cousin goes to the lake instead of church. And he tells her, well, I can worship God on the lake. And uh, someone said, well, that's tr kind of true, isn't it? And she usually will follow that statement with, uh, yeah, but do you? Because <laughs> though he can say, oh, yeah, you can. Uh, yeah, you're, I guess you're right about that. You can. And if you're on the lake, you might as well. But usually you're not. And how many know this everywhere principle 
that it's spirit and truth, does not remove the other elements of God's people getting together that he says is important. Yeah, you can, but he still likes us to get together in locations and glorify him together. Everybody okay today? Think again about worship not being just a song and just a service, just a segment of our life, but being our entire lives. We worship him to some degree with all that we do. Uh, You know, I like to think of this analogy of, of hitting a golf ball, all right? We all know what we like. If you're a golfer, you know you would rather hit it down the center of the fairway and long and everything else and not off into the rough or out of bounds. What would the Lord be more pleased with? Let let me present two scenarios. 300-yard drive right down the middle or, you know, and feeling pretty good about it, which you would. (laughs) I mean, we do. (laughs) Or, you know... You uh, hit it off in, in, into, into the rough, and you go over there, and you control your temper. And you still have a good attitude. Which would glorify the Lord more? I'm not saying the Lord doesn't like nice straight shots. But I think when we handle things internally, and honor Him with our attitude, our action, our self-control, I think that's a part of worship. Amen. Okay, if you would, turn with me to the book of Romans, and we'll, get, we'll read that in a, in a bit, but Romans, the 14th chapter. If you're new with us and you're not familiar with these passages, uh, take your time to get there if you can and, and look at them with you. One of the phrases I've noticed in Scripture over and over and over again, especially in the Old Testament, is the phrase, before the Lord. Meaning, many times individuals would do certain things, but it wouldn't say they did them, period. They did them before the Lord. There was, a, there was a, a, an added component to their action that I think is, was healthy and, and can aid us in our understanding of this as well. For example, we read to you last week about how David, before the Ark of the Covenant coming back into Jerusalem danced before the Lord. Not just danced, he did it before the Lord, right? Uh, Other places, we can read that Israel offered sacrifices before the Lord. Notice, they didn't just offer a sacrifice, they did it before the Lord. Um, I'm just giving a few examples. David and Jonathan made a covenant, but not a covenant period. It says they made a covenant before the Lord. And there was something about those who had a relationship with God where they would want to add the Lord to any significant activity or event that they did, they got involved with. Whereas in the world, people just do things. They just go to work and pay their bills and play and vacation and plan for the future and and it's just period. There should be a significant difference when people do things who are in a relationship with God. 
uh, I can remember uh, being in some different countries. Years ago, I was in a, a different country. Uh, it was a third world country. And in driving down the road, I would notice some of the different businesses and buildings that we went by. And I, I was commenting to the missionary that I was with, I was driving with. I said, this is interesting. Jesus auto body. You know, donuts for the Lord. <laughs> different built different buildings not all of them but some of the businesses they would put the name of Jesus in their in their business name and i thought what's up with that and he said well some of these individuals when they get saved they just add that to whatever they're doing now i'm not giving marketing strategies here right now for our country <laughs> nevertheless there is something about that that's impressive to me because I think they got saved and so their life now is His. They seek to worship Him with their auto body shop. With their whatever business. And so Jesus becomes a part of everything they do. And I think sometimes we miss it. When we get saved and then what's different? Well now we go to church service on Sunday. But he doesn't get involved in other parts of our lives, knowing that it's all supposed to be worship to the Lord. Amen. This phrase, uh, unto the Lord, or before the Lord, seems to be primarily an Old Testament uh, language. And maybe that's because in the New Covenant, the language of in the Spirit is more prominent. Remember, Jesus said, worship in spirit and truth. And you know, over in, was it Philippians or Galatians, we are the circumcised who worship in the Spirit. And th that language is used. In other words, w we don't dance before the Lord today. If you dance, it's because the anointing comes on you. You do things in the Spirit, not just before the Lord. So we've really been upgraded uh, in the new covenant with the anointing. Right? Not about all my might. It's the power of His might. It's in, it's in the Spirit. And, and so... In the New Covenant, though, I noticed this other phrase, which is very similar, but this language, to the Lord, is often used. Or some translations say, unto the Lord. And I think that directly applies to how we are going to worship God. We do it unto the Lord. Now, did you find Romans? All right. If you haven't found it yet, give up. Just... Pause, say, I'm throwing in the towel on that one. I'm just going to listen. Uh, Romans, in the, in the 14th chapter of Romans, Paul was answering questions. They were dealing with uh, various things. Um, in other words, some Christians had issues with diet. You can't eat that. You can't eat this. And, and so he was addressing that. Other people were still following the Old Covenant observation of days. This day is more holy than this day, and this day is more important than this day. And he was given some instructions on how to get along and how to be respectful and how to handle people with different opinions about some of these various issues. And it says in, in verse 6, and I want you to notice the phrase, to the Lord. Uh, he who observes the day observes it to the Lord. And he who does not observe the day, to the Lord he does not observe it. He who eats, 
eats to the Lord, and he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Do you notice that way of thinking? If we in any wise are thinking different than this, we should make an adjustment right here and start eating to the Lord and not eating to the Lord and observing a day or not observing a day, but whatever we do, we do it with the Lord in mind. He is our motive. He is the reason why we're doing it. He's the one we are seeking to please. But it's not I have my worship life and my Christian life and then I have all the other things I do. No, when I got saved, it all became one. And now everything I do, I seek to do it unto the Lord. Amen. Now, I realize you can get weird with this and you can... You know, I'm not endeavoring to say I brush my teeth to the Lord and shower to the Lord. and uh, You know, I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to... But I'm, I am asking questions about what, what do I do that should have that tag on it? Whether I express it verbally to you or not, but in my heart, planning for my future to the Lord. Working my job to the Lord. I think there's a bunch of things that we can identify if we will add this element of God's presence, our desire to please Him, His involvement to it. It will take our spiritual life way up. One of the areas we miss, and it's a challenge for all of us, is I think we often overlook so many things that God blesses us with. We treat it as coincidence. We treat, treat it as Oh, that everyone has that. And we miss, we recognize the big things. You know, a healing, a financial miracle, something that he, he speaks to us. But we often miss the little ones. I think they're happening far more than we realize. And it's because we lack a God consciousness. We lack an awareness of our lives belong to Him. And so everything we do has a God element to it or should have a God element to it. Everybody okay? Our worship, or thinking of life this way, is an act of doing something for God. It's an act of obedience, worship, dedication. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 5.19. It reads, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, where? To the Lord. Notice, not just I enjoy music. Not just, hey, I like to sing. How many know there's a big difference in singing and enjoying music or being musical and doing it to the Lord? How many think there's a bunch of people with talent in our world that should use their talent to the Lord? Right? Amen. And if we will do what we do, I mean, I think of great, great singers in the world like, you know, like Whitney Houston or people like that. You know, she passed away. Uh, but what if those things were done to the Lord and not just for other purposes? I mean, how much, I tell you, those things will echo in eternity. 
what you do, what you have, what you're, you're able to accomplish, your influence in life, the money that you make, the skills that you have. If these things are done to the Lord, it'll not only raise the significance and the value of those things in the here and the now, I tell you, it'll resonate in eternity. And there'll be rewards, there'll be, there'll be honor given, there'll be honor shown. Hallelujah. Now listen to the word of the Lord on the inside of you as I speak. And hear what the Lord is saying to you about your life. What we are doing here, even today, should be done to the Lord. In other words, it's entirely possible to go to church and not really do it with the Lord in mind. Well, this is just what I do. This is where I go. This is my habit. This is my practice. Or this is what someone expects of me. Or this is what I have to do. And not really do it with a consciousness of His presence and His pleasure. Amen. I know one of the things we do, we give a lot of attention to our, the words in our worship songs. To make sure they're, uh, that the majority of them are either you know, about the Lord, that's praise, or to the Lord, that's worship, and not just all about us, right? I mean, sometimes it's okay to reinforce a truth in a song, and it helps us and builds us up, but most of it ought to be to Him, and, uh, or at least about Him, and, and then even higher level, to Him, where we're singing to Him. That's worship to Him. Praise God. So can you go to work to the Lord? Amen. If this is a real area of, of lack, you might want to adapt this, uh, this verbiage for a period of time. Start saying it. All right, sweetheart, I'm going to work to the Lord. Say, <laughs> so that sounds a little bit weird. I know, but sometimes you sound weird for a while until you build within yourself an awareness that I'm a Christian full time. That I'm really not just going to be a Sunday, you know, put on and do it for a while. But I want Him to be involved in everything in my life. Amen. Amen. Especially plans, making plans for the future. Involve Him. Lord, we're doing this for you. And just that very statement makes you adjust. Not only motives, but sometimes actual decisions. And so... Because we worship the Lord not only with our voice, but also with our actions, you know, we will worship with our serving, with our obedience. We worship by forgiving other people. Um, I like to ask questions about what I'm doing and is God involved or ought He to be on a greater level? One of the ways... Um, when I study this subject matter, I look for verses that simply use the word worship and what is tied to that word worship. Because sometimes we become very narrow in our, in our understanding and, uh, and so we think worship and it's this. And it starts when the music starts and it ends when the music ends. And no, that's too narrow of a, of a focus. That is a worshipful experience and I love it and but it doesn't start there, nor does it end there. It is involved in other elements of life. And so, one of the places I noticed the word years ago, but it is in, it's in Deuteronomy 26. And let me just give you a summary. Deuteronomy 26, Deuteronomy, that's 
Of course, when the law was given, there, Israel is, it was given instructions on how to do a gazillion things. One of them is they were giving very specific instructions about bringing offerings to the Lord. Okay? Bringing first fruits, bringing tithes. And they were, they were instructed even down to what they should say when they bring them. And they said, when you bring it, here's where you do it, this is how you do it, and make sure you say this. And you can read about it in full. But in short, it had a lot to do with where they came from and what their people suffered and how God delivered them and where they were, to, where they were now. And then they would bring their offering with that in mind. If we translate that, upgrade that to the new covenant, how many think we might be missing something when we give? What am I doing? Well, I'm focusing on clicking the numbers on my phone or putting my offering in the container and... What they did went back to what the Lord had already done for them. We might say, I used to be a slave to sin. I was lost and without hope. I was on my way to a devil's hell, but the Lord saved me. He loved me. He turned my life around and set me free. And we begin acknowledging what God has done for us. And now I bring this offering to you. Let me read the one verse from that chapter. Deuteronomy 26 and verse 10. And now behold, this is part of their confession, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. Isn't that powerful? They brought their offerings and he said, when you do it, you set it before him, and you worship him. You worship him. With what? With your giving. With your, with your offerings. Let's not let worship start and stop in line with the music. Some might wonder, what is that? How, why do we do that? We sing a little bit, and then we stop, and we receive the offering and stuff, and then we go back into worship. No, we don't. You maybe did, but I didn't. Don't you mess with my worship offering. <laughs> Amen. In other words, the, the giving of what is close to our hearts, come on, let's, let's testify and tell the truth, shame the devil. <laughs> What's close to our hearts? Our money is. Jesus said it is. And when you take your money and you offer it to the Lord, that's probably a little deeper worship than singing. It probably touches you in, a, in more of a core way than just some of the expressions, outward expressions that don't really cost us anything. When you worship God that way, come on, now you're getting into true worship. So was it, we're going out and we're going back in. No, it's a con one continuous flow. It really is. Now, I know I I've been around and I know how people in the world... And maybe some of you may be thinking this way today, and maybe you thought this earlier in the service. I'm glad you didn't express it. But sometimes, you know, in church services like ours, when we receive offerings and stuff, some people have this thought, oh, there they go again with the money. There they go again, asking people for money, which is a lie, by the way, but let me just say that. This is a side, no, parenthetical thought, because we didn't ask anyone for anything, right? Never have. Nevertheless, there they go again. In fact, a friend asked me years ago, 
that I hadn't seen for many years. And he didn't go to church and stuff. And he had uh, messaged me and said, when did church become all about the money? And he, he, was, he was speaking out of ignorance from the outside. That's just the way the world thinks. What I need to... And I have some good, strong words for him. <laughs> in love. And he eventually came to church. But from the outside, you listen to things, and you get lied to. You get a wrong perspective. But what I want to make sure and not do is let those thoughts get in my mentality because when I read the Scripture, this is one of the greatest acts of worship to God. And I see that really, in regards to spiritual things, if you leave the giving out, if you leave the money out of your relationship with God, you are staying in the nursery. You are staying in a very low level of life. You will not get far with God holding out these different things. It just doesn't work that way. I could show you that in the New Testament if we had time. But, but I tell you, methods may change. You know, people give in different ways electronically and all that kind of stuff now. But the act of worshiping God should not change. The heart of the matter should never change. Receiving an offering in a service doesn't break the flow. It extends the flow. If it is to the Lord. We're not paying off the mafia. I better give my tithe lest something bad happens. You know, paying off the curse, <laughs> that kind of thing. No, 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 not, not, not that mentality. But we do what we do to the Lord. Praise God. Let me show you one more verse. Uh, or one more group of verses. <laughs> uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Right turn, head towards the back of the book. Hebrews the 13th chapter. And, and notice with me over here in the 15th verse. I do like to see Old Testament principles restated in the New Covenant to see, you know, do they apply to us today. And I found this verse. Hebrews 13 and verse 15 reads, Therefore by Him let us continually offer the sacrifice of of praise to God. Say, what's that? That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. But look at verse 16. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I want you to notice the two sacrifices here. There is the sacrifice of speaking, of expressing praise. Even when you feel like complaining, even when you feel like uh, being down in the mouth, lift your voice and be thankful and be, be, let it be full of praise. That's a sacrifice that the Lord likes. What's the other sacrifice he mentions here? Because he said, with such sacrifices, when you say the right thing, and the other one is called sharing. That's giving. Sharing or giving. In other words, I worship the Lord with my mouth and I worship the Lord with my wallet. It is the fruit of my lips and whatever I have to share that God is well pleased with. 
Let's not be absent-minded of the Lord's involvement and the Lord's presence in our lives. When you do these things, He knows you by name. He knows you personally. He knows even if you have a lack and you're giving out of that. He, he knows what's happening. And when we make these sacrifices to the Lord, I tell you, your Father is pleased. He is glorified in that behavior. He is honored in what you are doing. Amen. I, I, I remember... Um, well, just recently, just the other day, I'm looking in my car. And I'm looking in the console, you know, right there in the middle between the front seats. And I look in there and there's a granola bar. A good one. <laughs> Honey and oat. And, and I realize that has been there like two years. <laughs> But here's what stood out to me. I'm thinking, well, I'm thankful it's there. If I ever need it, I got one. But what my mind went to is how I got it. Side note before I finish. If you give the Lord a hundred bucks, is he impressed? If you give the Lord a million bucks, is he impressed? If you have a hundred million dollars, you give that to the Lord, is he impressed? It's not about, he's not impressed with the amount. He's impressed if your heart is worshiping him with that. Because how are you going to impress a guy whose streets are made of gold? Who is a creator of the universe? Holds the world in his hand? How are you going to impress him? With your heart. That's how you impress him. How do you please a God who has everything? Anyone, have any that, anyone like that in your family? Christmas. Oh, Lord. What do I get this person? They have anything. And if they don't have it, they can buy it themselves. You know, or anything that I'm able to do. Right? How do you please God with your heart? Anyway, so I was thinking about the granola bar, and here's what stood, here's what stood out to me. Um, I'm not, you know, holding it, holding on to it, or saving it for this purpose. But I still remember how I got it, and it was one day at the at work at the office, something. I don't remember the specifics. I either didn't have time to go to lunch or I, I was hungry, I needed something. And one of the staff members gave me that. I think they gave me two because I think I ate one. And I saved the other for whenever. And it still stands out to me to this day because I remember how it made me feel. Not because it was so valuable as far as dollar-wise, it was just, they went scrounging around somewhere, and they found these granola bars to give to me in my time of need. <laughs> and that, per that person, they don't even know it to this day. I mean, other than my saying, thank you, I appreciate that. But it resonated deeper with me, that they did that for me. I was appreciative. And I think, what about my offerings to the Lord? How does that resonate with Him? Maybe similar. Maybe similar. Maybe he's got your granola bar in his console somewhere. And it's not like it's that valuable money-wise. But your heart, you did it to serve him, to worship him. You did it as he instructed Israel in the Old Testament. And as we see stated in different ways in the New, we bring these, these sacrifices to him. And he is well pleased with them. Everybody okay? Man, there's more to say. But I told you I was ending this series. So. Think about for a moment the very first offering we have recorded.
It's the offerings of Cain and Abel in the, in the book of Genesis. Cain brought his offering and the Lord was not happy with it. Not pleased. He did not accept it. There was something not right about it. Abel brought his offering and the Lord did receive it. And he was pleased with Abel's offering. You know how that ended up. Cain ended up killing Abel over the offering. It's amazing how offerings fire people up. <laughs> they bring out the best in some and the worst in other people. And you judge your own heart where, you're, where you are there. Uh, <laughs> but here's one thing we can see, and you study that out. What Abel did was he brought God his best. He did not give him leftovers. He didn't give him just something. He gave the first fruits of his flock. But he gave the Lord the first. He gave the Lord his best. And because it was that type of honoring of God, the Lord received it and was well pleased, and he was well pleased with it. And I think if we worship the Lord, I think we should do it with our, our best. Our best song. Our best acts of service. Our best offerings. Worship Him with our best life. When I'm giving Him the best I can do, a God-level best, I think He's pleased. And then this relationship we have with God spreads out. So it's not just when we gather or just during a song. It's we're bowing our knee to Him and worshiping Him with our lives. What can you add to the Lord in, at the end of this week? Amen? What can you add the phrase to? Do it. Build your God consciousness as far as living your life for Him. Amen? I'm not saying some of you need to change your business names. That's... <laughs> Amen? But in one sense, we do in our hearts.